Hello and welcome to 50 Years of Her, a Euro 2016 podcast, which, like a bunch of men in the news at the minute, we're resigning after this episode as our work here is done. I'm Richard Carey and it's final time. The end is here. Coming up, the big one, Portugal versus France. Will the hosts take the trophy in their own backyard or will Portugal spoil the party? We'll give out our awards for the best and worst stuff that's happened at Euro 2016. And we review the tournament as a whole and look forward to Euro 2020. So we'll start with the final. Portugal won their first game of the tournament in normal time with a 2-0 win over Wales in the semi-finals. The hosts also won 2-0 over Germany in a match that saw Anton Griezmann pick up two goals. But none of that matters now. It's all boiled down to this. Who will be left celebrating in the streets of Paris? It's the first thing to mention that the referee for this game was Mark Clattenburg. What a day for British sport it was. Lewis Hamilton won the British Grand Prix. Andy Murray won Wimbledon. And Mark Clattenburg was the referee in the Euro 2016 final. Not exactly England winning it, but there you go. We got something to shout about football-wise. You've got to think English refs must really like the fact that England are generally rubbish at tournaments because it's given them lots of opportunities to referee finals. So in the start of the game, there's a nanny right foot shot, which is high and wide. Uh, Griezmann heads the ball, but it's saved by Rui Patricio. Pretty good save, that one. Suzuka has a shot, it's deflected and saved. Then there's a tackle by Payet on Ronaldo. It looks pretty bad. Ronaldo goes down injured. He stays on the pitch for about 10 minutes, but after that, they decide they have to substitute him off. So Portugal lose Ronaldo early in the game, their star player. And whilst Ronaldo is down, there's a moth on Ronaldo, and this moth has gained some notoriety. He's now got about 20 Twitter accounts, and he seemed to be on camera all night. He seemed to be hogging the camera, this moth, and was possibly the highlight of uh, most of the first half, if not most of the game. In the second half, there's a Griezmann header that goes over the bar. Coleman plays it to Giroud, but his shot is saved by the keeper. Nani puts in a cross, but it kind of ends up as a shot, and Lloris kind of misreads it. He's a bit clumsy. He does manage to save it, and it comes out to Charisma, who does an overhead kick, but it goes straight into his hands. As a Suzoko shot from distance fired in, but a good save by Rui Patricio denies him. Then on the stroke of full time, Gignac turns. It looks like he's bound to score. He hits the post. Unbelievable. A full time, it was Portugal nil. France nil. We had to have extra time. First time a Euro final has gone nil nil after 90 minutes. So Cresma takes a free kick, crossed into Pepe. It looked like it went in, but actually hit the side netting. He was offside anyway. As a corner into Eder, it's saved by Loris and cleared away. Cresma dummies a free kick and Guerrero hits it with his left foot. It narrowly misses by hitting the bar. Then Eder picks the ball up from about 25 yards out. He has a shot with power and he scores into the bottom left corner, making it 1-0 to Portugal. And that's how it finished after extra time. Portugal won, France nil. Unbelievable. Portugal have won this tournament. And as much as I want to complain about this, the fact that they came third in their group, the fact they only won one game in the entire thing in 19 minutes... I kind of think over the last couple of games, they've won me over with playing very well. Uh, Not the most uh, entertaining football, but 
they have shown signs of deserving this, to be honest, especially in the semi-finals and the final. I mean, this final, they lost a star player, Ronaldo, in 20 minutes, but still played well as a team. You know, had a really much, much of the better chances in extra time and caught, sort of played France to the point where they just couldn't have any legs left. I just felt France sort of were knackered in that extra time period. They just couldn't do anything. I think Deschamps took a bit too long to bring on Martial. He probably should have come on earlier than just waiting until after the goal went in. France must feel like they've been robbed. This seems like a French job by the Portuguese. It did seem like their tournament, but I don't know what it is. When teams play Portugal, they seem to suddenly start playing badly. Like It happened to Croatia, who did so well against Spain, got knocked out to Portugal, just didn't turn up that game. It happened to Wales, played so well against Belgium. Then they play Portugal, didn't really play that well that game. And it's happened to France. They haven't turned up here. Griezmann was nowhere to be seen, really. They've suffered the consequences. And Portugal won a championship, you know, uh, wiping out the bad memories of Euro 2004 when it got beaten by Greece in the final. This, I mean, for me, it just completely opens up a can of worms about who would win the next uh, World Cup. I have no idea. I probably would have said France would have been quite favourites if they would have done as expected and, and won here, but they didn't. So anything's possible, to be honest. Like, you know, Argentina and Brazil aren't playing particularly well. You've got Germany, who are okay, but not great. You've got Spain, who, who the best years are behind them. You've got Portugal, who are jammy, but not really that good. You've got France, who seem to do quite well, but seem to have a bit of an England problem where they don't really know their best eleven. They have players who can play well but don't always play well yeah I just don't know if they're really that good enough and then there's no one team anymore where you go yeah they're going to definitely win that I mean could be anybody's yeah a boring final I guess we we've come to expect that from finals these days you know they're not the most exciting affairs this was one of the most boring ones I think they've been there wasn't really anything that really happened to the 75th minute it was all it was only about the moth that was anything that was interesting. The last 15 minutes really uh, made things happen, which was nice to see. But overall, a disappointing game, a disappointing finish for the hosts. But that's how football goes. It's all about the game. And, and I guess this is like Portugal writing the book on how to win a tournament. You survive by any means necessary. You stay in it by any means necessary. And you win when it matters. And that's exactly what they did. So before we wrap up this particular podcast, we're going to do our Euro 2016 awards for the best bits and some of the worst bits of the competition. Who will be taking home an award tonight? Our first category is Biggest Disappointment. The nominations are Austria. There was a lot of buzz going on about them before the tournament and they just did absolutely nothing. England for crashing out in the round of 16 to Iceland and only winning one game the whole thing. Spain for losing back-to-back to to Croatia, then to Italy, and only getting to the round of 16. And Croatia for beating Spain and then doing absolutely nothing, having that really bad match against Portugal and crashing out, when they really could have made a run for the final. And the winner is... Austria. Obviously, the temptation here to give it to England, but I just think 
fans should expect England to do badly because they always do badly at these tournaments. So that's not really anything to write home about. But Austria has a lot of buzz going on about them. They did absolutely nothing. The second award is for best beard for outstanding achievement in the field of facial hair. The nominations for this one are Joe Ledley for Wales, Aaron Gunnarsson for Iceland, Ray Keane for Ireland, and Olivier Giraud for France. And the winner is... Roy Keane. He's a guy who likes to grow out his beard. He doesn't seem to care how it's maintained. How more manly can you be? Roy Keane, well done. You didn't play a minute in in any matches, of course, because you were the assistant manager, but still you have a cracking beard. Our third category is for best underdogs. This is for any team that's overachieved in the tournament to a high standard. The nominations are Iceland for making it to the quarterfinals and beating England along the way and being undefeated in their group stage. Wales for making it into the semi-finals, beating the likes of Belgium and Northern Ireland on the way. Ireland for beating Italy and almost taking France to the limit in the second round. And Hungary for winning their group when no one expected them to and for having some really good shots from outside the box. And the winner of this category is Wales. I was tempted to give it to Iceland, but I think because Wales got that extra stage, they should get it. A great performance for a team that's never been in the Euros before, got to the semi-finals and looked the part, really. Shit! Did you see that? He must have a foot like a traction engine! The next award is called the Foot Like a Traction Engine Award. It's for any player who managed to belt it in from outside the box and has a good record for doing that. The nominations are Jerome Boateng of Germany, Zuzak of Hungary, Nangolan of Belgium, Modric of Croatia, and Gareth Bale of Wales. And the winner is... Zuzak for Hungary who scored quite a few very decent goals from outside the box and all, I think all of Hungary's goals were from outside the box almost all of them anyway our next award is for worst match this is the match that's been so boring that trying to watch it is absolutely painstaking and probably should be used as a form of torture our nominations are Portugal versus Croatia a match that had no shots on target until the 116th minute. France versus Switzerland, a last game in the group stage that didn't produce a goal. England versus Slovakia, a disappointing England performance and Slovakia who played so negative tactics in this one. And Germany versus Poland, again a boring nil-nil draw. And our winner is... Undisputed. Portugal versus Croatia. One of the worst games of football I've seen, I think. For a knockout game, why was it so boring? I don't know. Why did Croatia not play with the same confidence they played against Spain? And I think most disappointingly, these teams just came both back off a really 
exciting games and then produced one of the worst games in recorded history. That's probably what makes this even worse than it already is. Now on to best crowd chant. This is for anything the crowd have been uh, making noise about throughout the tournament. Nominations are Will Griggs on Fire, Northern Ireland. Iceland. Don't take me home, the home nations. And GP, the Albanian fans. Again, a landslide victory in this one to Will Griggs on fire, the Northern Irish fans, the guy who played zero minutes in the tournament but made so much buzz and even got Eric Cantona to sing his name. On to best match, our favourite game in the competition. The nominations are Portugal versus Hungary, France versus Iceland, Germany versus France, Croatia versus Spain, and Wales versus Belgium. And our winner is Portugal versus Hungary. Really, really a sign that the tournament had turned around to be entertaining and it was a free free draw that really could have gone either way and uh, yeah I really enjoyed that game no questions I think Wales Belgium and Germany France are very close behind that they were great games too so it's not it's not as much in this category to be honest now on to best internet moment this is something we've seen on the web uh, over the last month when the tournament's been on that's captured our eyes and made us think, wow, that's really cool. Uh, so the nominations are the Icelandic commentator in the Iceland versus Austria game. <laughs> Eric Cantona sings Will Griggs on Fire. Will Griggs on Fire! Your defense is terrified. We're grims on fire. La 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 my name is David Guetta. I brought my computer. Do you want to see me press the buttons? First, I have to turn two knobs, okay? And my winner is... 
the Icelandic commentator. So entertaining to hear. So much passion. Very, very funny. Just loved it. On to best TV personality. This is someone who's been on the English coverage of Duo 2016 on either the BBC or ITV and has been a bit interesting. So let's have a look at the nominations. We have Dean Saunders for Wales, who left his car in a car park in Birmingham and was supposed to get a big fine when he came back. Slavan Bilic, the Croatian, who uh, sweared on air and was very animated at all times. Robbie Savage for Wales. He had a, quite a few funny quirks to say, especially in the Wales games. Thierry Henry for France. He tried to make himself look innocent when France played Ireland. And Rio Ferdinand for England, who had some really weird nuggets he came out with that were quite baffling. There you go. The winner is... Slavan Bilic. Most entertaining person to watch out of the five of those. On to the best WTF moment. I'm not going to spell out what WTF actually means, but you probably know. The nominations are Antonio Conte kicks the ball at the sidelines. Joaquin Lowe, scratch and sniff. <laughs> You've seen that one. Uh, Zaza's silly run-up for the penalty. And man dives out the way after flare on the pitch explodes. What a tough category to call the winner on this one. And the winner is... going to have to go for the man that dived out the way after the flare on the pitch exploded what a brave guy that is and a moment of pure drama at the uh, euros now on to best manager this is the manager who's been a tactical genius or just entertaining during the tournament the nominations are antonio conte for italy one of the most animated managers like i said he kicked the ball at the sidelines he was getting his team to do everything he got a nosebleed at one point and at times was shown to be a, a tactical genius in particular in the match against spain Lars lagerback for iceland technically he's a joint manager but you could tell lagerback was the mastermind behind the iceland's uh, run to the quarterfinals joachim Lowe for germany was the entertaining with his scratch and sniff kind of antics but uh also got his tactics right against Italy. Chris Carmel for Wales. He got it right and got Wales to the semi-finals. And Leonard Slutsky for Russia. Okay, Russia didn't do very well, but Leonard Slutsky was like the most animated manager ever. He had the reddest face in the world. He was, he was getting so mad about any bad thing that happened to Russia. So credit to the passion there. The winner is Antonio Conte for Italy. Can't wait till he, he's at the Premier League next season in at Chelsea. They're going to have fun with him. That's that's going to be true. And he really did get his tactics right against Spain. Um, and they were only unfortunate to go out against Germany. Oh, and that's a bad miss. <laughs> now on to the Ooh, That's a Bad Miss award for people who have missed a sitter. The nominations are John O'Shea, Ireland versus Sweden. Zaza's penalty, Italy versus Germany. Schweinsteiger's penalty, Germany versus Italy, and Milik in Poland versus Germany. Oh, there, there's no doubt about this one. Zaza is our winner. 
they brought him on to take the penalty. He had the ridiculous run up. He blasted it over. Everything added up to the perfect miss. Congratulations, Zaza. You are the Ooh, That's a Bad Miss award winner. On to a big one now. Best team. This is my favorite team in the tournament and have done particularly well for themselves. The nominations are Wales for making it to the last four, having great players like Ashley Williams, Aaron Ramsey, Gareth Bale. What a team. Germany for always playing very attractive football, having a very good defense in this tournament. I just like watching them. Iceland, brilliant tactics, very defensive-minded, very good at the throw-ins. Again, massively overachieved in this tournament. And France, the host, sort of built from sort of playing okay to actually getting really good as this tournament has kind of come to its crescendo. And for that reason, I'm giving it to the host, France. Now on to best song. This is for any song that's related to Euro 2016. The nominations are Manic Street Preachers, Together Stronger, Come on, Wales. So come on, Ramsey, let's set the world alight. When Gareth Bale plays, we can beat any side. So come on, Wales. So come on, Wales. With Ashley Williams, we can win any fight. David Guetta featuring Zara Larson. This one's for you. We're in this together. Hear our hearts beat together. We stand strong together. We're in this forever. The White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. winner is the Manic Street Preachers Together Stronger Common Wales one of the best songs for a football team probably since Free Lions I thought it was terrific and they had a great run so this shows you something right if you write a really good song for like the Euros of the World Cup for a team They'll get to the semi-finals. It's happened, it happened in Euro 96 for England. It's happened in Euro 2016 for Wales. So that's good advice, that is. Musicians, get your finger caps on. Let's get Coldplay on the job or something. Our final award is for best goal. One that had a saying, Oh, you beauty, when it went in the back of the net. The nominations are Modric's wonder strike for Croatia against Turkey. How Robson Carnu's Croft turn, Wales versus Belgium, Dimitri Payet, France versus Romania, Marek Hamsik, Slovakia versus Russia. That goal he scored off a corner, and Shakiri, Shakiri, his amazing bicycle kick, Switzerland versus Poland. The winner is. I'm giving it to Shakiri. 
just great skill to manage to do that. I, I was that goal left me kind of gobsmacked. I mean, the other goals were great, but that goal in particular left me with my mouth agape. So that's why I'm winning. That's why that one's winning that. But some great choices there, and some great categories, and some great award winners. I think to overall kind of summarize the tournament. There has been some really bad stuff that's been to do with it on and off the pitch. Um, off the pitch, we've had fans like England and Russia fans having conflict. We've had a big situation with flares and flares being thrown on the pitch, flares being used. On the pitch, there's been some awful matches. There's been some good matches. There's been some really ty- atypical international football kind of matches where it's just that it's just really like a tactical kind of game without a lot of chances with really good defences. What's been really good is that there's been underdogs and upsets, which you always like to see in any tournament because it makes it exciting. It's what's so great about the FA Cup as well, is that you can have a little team on one day. A smaller team can be a bigger team under the right circumstances. This, this tournament's going to have a special place for me because I've actually gone to see some of it. But I don't necessarily think it's my favourite tournament ever. Like, I think probably I've still got a massive like soft spot for World Cup 2002 because all the games were at weird times, which meant it was kind of a really special thing to get up at seven in the morning or whatever so you could watch a game. Or you know, having that thing at school where you'd actually have to watch a game at school. It, like you had to go out your way to watch games. Whereas this is kind of like relatively simple. You might miss a few games when they're on at work times, but apart from that, you're pretty much sorted. I'm not sure how the next tournament's going to go. It's pan-European, and now with Brexit uh, for for the home nation teams. Presuming how I'm not sure how many home nation teams are going to be by 2020 but it could be a bit of a visa issue for fans and uh, also for players i guess there's a little bit of that anyway because i'm not sure if all the countries are in the eu but i just think it's going to be a logistical nightmare like if you've got to go from azerbaijan to london and then that's that's where all your matches are it seems a bit crazy like host cities in the same country are a bit easier to commute to I guess they're sort of relying on like easy jet flights or something or the cheap flights across europe which is which does help it's going to be like a massive experiment, really, the next tournament. And I guess it could shape a lot of future Euros. I don't think that there's been any announcement about where 2024 will be. I don't know about the 2014 format. Uh, I'm still on the, on, the, on the fence about it. Like, I liked it in some ways because it meant certain teams were able to get into the tournament and then they did really well whilst they're in there, like, Wales is a great example of that. Iceland is also a good example of that. So you've got teams who've got in for the first time because of the 2014 format. The, the downside is the negative tactics that came out of, of the 2014 format were quite apparent because you had teams like Portugal didn't win a game until semi-finals, for instance. You had Slovakia playing really negative tactics against England, whereas if they were in the old format, they'd have to win that game. On the flip side, I did like it that if you were right at the bottom of a group on zero and it was the last game, there was still something to play for. I thought that, that was a really good positive, but on the, like it swings and roundabouts really. You know, maybe there is another option that makes it work a bit better than the than the six six groups of four. But that's how they did it at USA ninety four, so they're just sticking with that format. 
that is really confusing to work out the draw. And then sometimes because of that, the knockout draw was a bit one-sided, which was partially because of the 2014 format, but was also partially because certain teams were just underperforming to where we expected them to. If you just went by names, on paper, it was looking like a, a Spain-France final. Obviously, that didn't happen because Spain didn't win their group, so they're actually on the other side of it. So that was a that was kind of interesting insight, and weirdly, I thought was that for like group I think it was Group E, the the Italy group was actually more beneficial to be to finish runner up because if you finish runner up, yeah, you end up playing Hungary instead of ending up playing Spain. It's a big difference. So that's another thing. But yeah, I think overall, you know, it has its pros and cons. This tournament has its pros and cons. I've enjoyed some of it. I've enjoyed some of it less. I mean, I'd still like if there was one tournament where a home nation could win, especially if it was in England or Wales. It, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. So there you go. That was my sort of review of Euro 2016. Thank you for uh, joining us on this podcast. Remember, you can still follow us on Twitter at 50YOHpod. And you can find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash 50 years of hurt. We're available on iTunes and tune in for your listening delight. So like I say, thank you for joining us for these 12 episodes of 50 years of hurt. From me, Richard Carey, it's goodbye. I'm going-